0: Hello, everyone. I'm Yimika Koya, a budding urbanist, an architecture enthusiast, and your host. Welcome to the Open Lagos podcast, where we explore Lagos's past, present, and future. We dive into perspectives and stories about Lagos and the salient issues facing our city. We celebrate the placemakers and innovators behind Lagos's built environment, dive into the history of the city, and glimpse into its possible futures. Welcome back to the Open Lagos podcast. In today's episode, we will be discussing health and architecture in Lagos. The COVID-19 pandemic has dramatically changed how people interact with cities around the world. The legacy of this novel virus has already shifted our focus, even here in Lagos, to health, hygiene, and our safety in cities. Now, we have to ask ourselves, are our not-so-big offices properly ventilated, especially with the air conditioning we're so accustomed to? Or how about our hospitals and private healthcare centers? Were they designed with pandemics in mind? And as we increasingly spend more time indoors, we must ask ourselves, how do the spaces we interact with every day influence our mental and physical health? Today, we have with us Mr. Eiffel Langouin Osundorile, an architect, a real estate professional based here in Lagos. He serves as, as a director at GC and GCNR Projects, and Goth Architecture, which he co founded in 2010. He also heads the new business and innovation unit at First World Communities Limited, a leading provider of affordable housing in Nigeria. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today.
1: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um,
0: I'm can happy you to be here. tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Um, okay, you've said half of it. <laughs> The other half, you probably didn't say, is I'm a very curious person. Hmm. I'm a career writer. Wow. Uh, I once traveled across the Sahara Desert from Lagos to London. What? Even though we didn't get there. No, <laughs>
0: but you tried. Oh, yeah,
1: we did. We, we stopped at Libya That's some before we got to Libya.
0: Libya is pretty much, you're it's pretty far. much there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I'm just a curious and perceptive person. Um, I, I see the world through the eyes of a child most of the time. So
0: That's yeah. amazing. That's me. That's really good. Um, before we get into the full swing of things, um, let's just start by a quick rapid fire question around. So I'll ask you some questions and um, just try and reply as quickly as possible. Sure. So whatever jumps to mind. Yeah. Okay. So first question. Coffee or
1: tea? I feel like I'm on the hot seat. None. <laughs> <laughs> None. None. Yeah. Okay.
0: So just water. I don't
1: like hot things. Okay. And fair
0: enough. Fair enough. So smoothie then.
1: Yeah, smoothie.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> eba or amala? Hmm. Eba. Okay. That's good. Hmm. I'm more of an amala person. I'm more, <laughs> more of an eba person rather. Okay. Um. Are you an early bird or a night owl?
1: Um, I wake up 6.30 every day so you can, you can decide, yeah. So I'll say early bed. Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess early bird gets the, the fast Warm. worm. Early bird gets the worm. What is your favorite part about your job?
1: Ah, creating. Okay, creating. I mean, undoubtedly, und- undoubtedly creating.
0: Yeah, and as an architect and even as a writer, like you said, you must be doing a lot of that. Yeah,
1: I create, my mind creates all the time, even when I'm idle. Hmm.
0: What is your favorite thing to do in Lagos?
1: Ah, walk. Walk. Walk here in the morning.
0: I think that's unusual. I, I think anymore. that's unusual. But I think that's interesting. I think it's a different perspective. Most people don't really walk around Lagos. so.
1: I think I, I, I used to be a very social person, but somehow I don't know what's happening, but I'm more antisocial these I, days. So I'd rather just take a long walk.
0: Yeah, and, and reflect. And just reflect, mm. yes. How would you describe yourself in one word? Phenomenal. Phenomenal.
1: Phenomenal.
0: I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. All right, so let's just jump right into it. So today we're talking about health and architecture in Lagos. And I think if we think about the nature of cities, you know, there's so many interconnected, um, there's so many wheels turning. There's so many systems running at the same time. And I think there are a lot of knock-on effects. A lot of things affect the other that may not be so obvious. Yeah. And relating to health, um, what aspects of architecture or urban design in Lagos do you feel are affecting us re- regarding health, affecting the health of c- of the city, affecting the health of Lagosians that we are currently overlooking?
1: I think easily for me, it's the is the poor infrastructure. Okay. I think it it increases our stress levels. It elevates it to um, unsafe. Unsafe, um, um, unsafe levels, and because stress is not tangible, it's not something you can measure on a scale most of the times. So people say, "Well, I woke up 4 a.m., I was in traffic for four hours, (laughs) I got to work before eight. You know, it's not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And you have millions of people passing through this through this lifestyle every day. Yeah. I think it's it's overlooked, and I won't be surprised if we had a post mortem to say oh, what is killing people the most. I won't be surprised in Lagos if stress is a huge contributor contributor to this. And also things like mental health. There's just so many things tied to Lagos stress. Um, and we feel, yeah, it's, it's okay because it's the hustle. It's yes. not-
0: Yeah, just like you mentioned, in regarding mobility, I think there was a study that came out that said the average Lagosian spends three out of ten years in traffic. In
1: traffic, it's it's insane. Yes,
0: and I think a lot of people just assume that it's the way of life. You know, you have if you're not in traffic, if you're not, if you don't wake up at four a.m., are you even working?
1: It's insane. I'm uh, sorry, totally to Cut short. It, it requires it requires per- perhaps living differently for most people to appreciate the insanity. Yes, I mean if if you go to Abuja, Abuja is saying, in my opinion for a month. And come back to Lagos, something will happen to you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, I guess you'll start to see things a bit clearer. Yeah, yeah. So how? I guess my next question is: How do we begin to address these? Uh, I guess the look at the complicated system, and how do we begin to look at health as a more holistic approach? How do we take it into account as a driving factor when we're designing other things? So, I guess how would considering health affect our infrastructure approach? How will this affect our economic approach? What What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think if you show people data okay, that okay. hey, these decisions affect your health, and this is how it is affecting it, I think it makes it clearer. So let me just let me just draw an analogy in. If if there's a data that says oh, um, five out of everybody die because the roads are bad, I'm just wow. saying, I'm <laughs> just saying, um, it brings it down from that ethereal. state. You know, to reality for most people. So government starts to feel, oh, well, we've got to do something about it. Okay, look at the Ebola outbreak. Immediately it came, and because it was virulent, it was killing people, there was a lot of agitation from government, from everybody, even people that, or agencies that typically didn't respond. Everyone was up on their toes yes. because everyone was afraid. Yes. So I think if you showed data um, to people, just like we, we saw some of the really bad um, covid cases in spain we saw videos it should be you know, it put shock in people's minds and i think that that would be the way to go to see how it affects our lives and then more action can happen in the areas where you need the action to happen
0: yes i think that point you made about data is very interesting because i think we still have a long way to go in terms of data collection even True. here in lagos True. but i feel like once we start to get a bigger picture on we know that you know lagos is a very stressful place. Yeah. We know that people, a lot of people die because of inadequate health services, yeah. but once we can actually put a finger on this is exactly the thing yeah. that is causing deaths, yeah. then we can um, sort of form a focused, I guess hyper-focused approach to the solutions. Yeah. Um, do you have any history um, designing or being involved in medical projects here in Lagos?
1: yeah we've done and when I say we I mean Goth architecture we've done three or four four yeah four health facilities um, mostly for a health management or health group okay. that we're looking to expand in in Nigeria. So we've done we've done about four.
0: okay so as an architect what do you think that is particularly unique about designing medical facilities? I guess in general, and even here in Lagos?
1: Okay, um, that's easy for me. Functionality is at the core of Mm -hmm. designing health facilities. Um, So in architecture school, they said there's function, there's form, Mm -hmm. and there's aesthetic. So if you had to do this ranking for health facilities, functionality is way up there. Everything has to be functional. And then it's highly standardized. Um, curiously because you have things like uh, COSASA standards or Mm -hmm. safe care standards and star ratings that you have to your facilities have to meet in terms of patient access so many so many so many um, um, variables so it's highly standardized it is heavy on functionality, and thus it might seem limiting on aesthetic, you know. So you can't just turn this upside down because mm-hmm. you want to, but, but the standards say you've got to do it this way. But notwithstanding, there's still a dimension of it that gives you free reign as an architect mm-hmm. to design wellness, the experience of wellness into the yes. spaces um, and just be a little more sensitive to what the patient... I mean, putting yourself in the patient's shoes to say, if I were sick, yeah. uh, what color would I want to see? Or uh, would I want to move from this point to this point if I was in a wheelchair? So there, there, there there's a small part of it that's aesthetic that, that brings the whole experience and subtlety uh, for the creative.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's very interesting. I'm even thinking, just something popped into my mind right now, which was... Um, I guess when you're designing a hospital, even little things like this floor needs to be clean. so people must know when the floor is dirty. So perhaps going with a lighter color rather than a darker color. Those things, they really contribute to, I guess, the functionality of the space, like you mentioned, which I think is tantamount. Um, We can't talk about, well, in my opinion, we can't talk about health in Lagos without addressing the facility that was built at the Infectious Disease Hospital Center in Yaba. It was built by um, private companies and they provided an isolation center for COVID-19 patients. It was a 150-bed center and it was a temporary tent structure. And it was built pretty quickly. And I think in four months or so, it was finished by June. I think we mustn't underestimate how bad the health infrastructure system is in Lagos. The buildings, we don't, I don't think we have enough. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have enough hospitals. We don't mm. have enough centers, clinics. Yeah. But I think that this approach, this, I guess, temporary structure is an interesting architectural solution yeah. because it was built very quickly. It met the moment. And, you know, once the COVID-19 pandemic hopefully winds down, yeah. that structure can be moved somewhere repurposed, else. yeah. Exactly. <coughs> so me. I think, I'm curious to, I'm curious to know what you think about, I guess, this approach, this architectural approach to health facilities. Do you see a future where health facilities could become, I guess, mobile, We could have mobile clinics, so clinics on wheels, or um, these kind of temporary structures become more, I guess, prevalent in our approach to health facilities around the city?
1: I, I see it, and I don't even see it from a future context, like you said, it's almost present with us now. Um, there's there's no way, inevitably, COVID has changed and restructured our lives. Um, my parents talk about Zoom now. They are <laughs> 60, you know, late 60s. So we're not going back in in that on that evolutionary ladder. We're moving forward. And when there is already precedence that you can quickly build a, a health facility in 10 days. I mean, China did crazy day in building a 1000 facility bed in in 2 weeks yes. once that precedence is set it then it's in the annals of our history to say okay if you want to build a hospital you don't need 6 months or 1 1 year so i think it's with us even though it was brought about by the urgency of of the current um, situation when the covid started but i think yes we are likely going to see more um, temporary buildings or more repurposed buildings for health Health um, facilities and even things like telehealth are coming to the front yes. forefront now, where you just need to call or dial certain numbers to say, "Oh, what are the symptoms?" Blah 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 blah, and then they ask you a few questions and they can diagnose o- over the phone certain certain diseases. Yes. So that, that that's changed. We will see increase in um, robotic surgery at, at a certain level and it will just trickle down to the different kind of changes that yeah, we we'll see.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that the health health approaches are really being transformed all around the world. Even here in Lagos, I know that there's an app, I can't exactly remember the name, but essentially it's a pharmacist. It's a pharmacy on your phone.
1: Fantastic. So
0: you just type in what you need, yeah. they get someone, it's delivered to you in, in record time, Perfect. and I think that that's a really, really ing- um, ingenious solution. Yeah. Historically and presently, Hospitals and medical facilities haven't necessarily been the most inviting places, you know (laughs) I think on one hand You have a lot of the dated buildings that are not very hygienic They are very I think they're like disease hotspot zones (laughs) You don't really want to go there most times they are actually renovated houses Um, uh, that they're not really fit for purpose and on the other hand, you have hospitals that are, I guess, taking the more, I guess, the more contemporary approach, which is very hyper-controlled, mm. you know, closed system bubble um, approach, which sometimes is beneficial for, for patients who, let's say, have weak immune systems, yeah. but can leave the regular person feeling very cold or like they're in a very sterile environment. Yeah. Do you feel like there is some kind of middle ground between having your hospital or your healthcare facility as a sort of community center, a more, I guess, welcoming space, and, but also providing the, I guess, the services that it was designed to do, so still providing good, safe, hygienic care to patients?
1: Yeah, I I think there there is um, a middle ground um, one, I'll just say that I find private hospitals more um, fit for purpose, more, you know, better designed. And in fairness to the State government, they have done, and this is not a shout out to the government or anything, <laughs> it's just good to say it, they have, they've, they've built certain facilities that I've been in, mm-hmm. um, at Shore, some in Ikeja, that I'm quite impressed with, with the quality of mm-hmm. what they have created. So, um, yes, can we make hospitals a bit, more friendly in in the hygiene, in how it, it comes across to patients, yes. I think it's more a control problem. Um, hospitals already serve that community binding purpose, in, whether mm-hmm. we choose to admit it or not. Um, I've been in a hospital where you know, they drive strangers in, and yeah. strangers just immediately respond mm-hmm. to try and help that person mm-hmm. in. So if this already exists, we as designers can then sort of create more, I mean, in my head, it looks more like, okay, landscapes, external spaces yes. um, that then amplify this overall experience and, you know, brings that community feel to yes. it. Um, unfortunately, like you said, most buildings are either repurposed, they're residential centres. There's got to be some more control, I mean, system-wise. But with that, we can have better looking, more inviting um, public health spaces.
0: Yeah, I think that that's very interesting. Um, if just coming off that point, if mm-hmm. you were to, I guess, take an existing general hospital structure that yeah. exists, but you, it's not all the time that we have to start afresh. True. If we were to re, re, um, renovate these buildings, yeah. reuse them, how would you approach that design challenge?
1: Okay. Two, two, two points. One is that I find in my experience that we don't pay a lot of attention to materials. You know, type in material to use. Mm-hmm. That's why you go to our airport, you see new tiles that were there six months ago, but now it's faded. It's because for a heavy foot, foot um, fall area, you need certain kind of tiles that will be there for the next 20 years, even if a billion people walk over it. So in terms of material specifications, I think we need to pay more attention. I will pay more attention to saying it's a hospital. It's not a private residential home. You can't just buy a tile. You know, and put it there because by time twenty thousand people exactly. walk over it, you know, it's faded. So it's it's in typing material to the kind of facility. Even things like flushing systems. Hospitals, you would do that maybe two hundred, four hundred times more than you would yeah. do for residential space. We need to pay more attention to those things because, eventually, it affects the use, mm-hmm. it affects maintenance, and mm-hmm. then it affects how well it, how it's going to retrogress um, or not. The second thing will be landscaping, will be external spaces, yeah. spaces where so even if I've gone into the world, or oh, my wife is recuperating or oh, my son is recuperating, I can come outside to a place, sit down, and even I am recuperating yes. too in a way. Yeah. So it's 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 for me. I, I mean, there are many things, but. Top two before me will be material specification, paying attention to that, and just building the more external architecture around around um, hospitals even as they exist.
0: Yes, and I even on even off that point, as you mentioned, you know, with the external spaces, spaces where people can sort of relax, de-stress. Yes. I think that that point can actually. Translate into the wider urban design of lagos Truth. you know designing parks where people can just sit and breathe yeah. and just you know with the stress of the city relax
1: in fact the, 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 there is something we're working on um it's still a third level but we we'll, we'll hopefully will execute it someday it's saying that could we have the facility that brings geriatrics together with children wow so you are 80 75 and then there is a there's a meeting point where you're meeting 15 year there yes. there is almost a lease on life that adults get old people get from talking to younger people yes. and there's also a wisdom transfer yes. between the old person and and these young people so these are the subtle i mean the subtleties in design that can overall impact so you find that someone might say well I like this experience so much. Even though I'm well, I want to go back to this place because, oh, I met met this 13-year-old girl and I'm an 85-year-old woman. And we had this bond. Mm -hmm. These are design-related issues that can actually foster that that experience.
0: And even off, I guess this demonstrates the whole interconnectedness of cities. Even off that, it's still forming, I guess, a community. Because now that you have this intergenerational link, there's stronger community ties. Exactly. And maybe this is just me, I guess, hypothesizing, but I feel like there should be a link between your wellness and how strong you are or how you relate in your community.
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: So if you could go back in time yeah. and be a part of um, Lagos' urban development or architectural scene, what would you do? Who would you, what would you tell people to focus on? Huh. Also, what would you warn them against?
1: Okay, I'll take the first one. I feel one of the problems, and it's not, it's not a Lagos problem, it's a, it's a Nigeria problem. I feel one of the problems we have is inconsistency. So whatever solution I'm proffering back in the past or if I could travel back is to be able to create a system that can survive and be consistent over a long period. It's not like we've not had good policies. It's not like we've not had great hospitals. It's not like we've not had good everything. It's just that every now and then it's being truncated. There's no continuity. So I would would say a, a system that ensures continuity and brings policy from, from inception to maturity uh, and runs that here. So that for me will be one. Um, the next question you ask, sorry, I, I escaped my mind. Um,
0: what would you warn them against? What would I
1: warn them against? Hmm. I have to give a little more thought to this. I, w- I would warn, that's the citizenry now.
0: Yes, or even designers.
1: Okay, so for designers it's easy. I want designers to listen more. I have been in this trap many times, and many designers, and not just architecture, every designer, your tailor. Oh, I sold it this way because this is what it is. No, that's not what I want. Do you get? It. Yes. So, as designers, as creatives, I feel it's imperative that we listen more, um, listen to the city, listen to the people, listen more, and find you're not really the overlord, you're, you're a responder. Um, so, I, I would want designers to listen more. Um, for the citizenry, I would say maybe trust a little more. One, Why I say trust is it's easy to follow who you trust or what you trust. So I would say, yeah, just trust a little more. Trust that all oh, these people, they've got my back. Um, this policy will, 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 will be to my advantage at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's very interesting because it shows how, I guess, a symbiosis between decision makers and the citizenry is True. very important. True because then you can trust
1: yeah you
0: can just just know that it's handled it's a chicken and egg
1: situation i agree (laughs) that if if the decision maker has not shown me enough reason to trust i I might not trust that person but if i also don't trust that person um i I won't give them the free reign to to affect my life positively yeah
0: well mr felon (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: thank you so much for sitting with us today at Open Lagos podcast and thank you all for joining us on our first episode of Open Lagos Podcast. Catch us next time as we discuss preserving culture, tourism, and architectural heritages. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on all social media at Open House
1: Lagos. Bye. Thank you. Bye.